Welcome to another RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have returning guests, Mr. Lior Gantz, the founder of the Wealth Research Group. Today, he joins us to share his thoughts on the economy, financial markets, as well as forecasts for the remainder of this year. And so I'm excited, as always, to have Lior join us because he brings a wealth of knowledge from a variety of perspectives. And so, Lior, welcome to RTD interviews. Thank you for having me back. Well, I appreciate you taking time to join us here. As always, it's good to connect with you and get your thoughts on what's relevant as well as what uh, are some things that most people may not be talking about or looking at. And so I'm curious to hear uh, what, you're, what you're keeping your eye on these days. So before we begin, I guess let's start this off. We last connected, a f I think, springtime. And at that time, the banking sector was a problem as well as other subjects. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you're keeping your eyes on these days. Um, I think the most important uh factor that is still up in the air um, is real estate housing because um, if we look at uh, CPI which was the big concern a year ago with CPI hitting 9.1 percent at the peak that that's mostly um, done um, we're seeing a complete turnaround in CPI numbers now CPI granted is not a measure of uh, everyday inflation for most people so that's not the point. The point is that it's a huge barometer for Wall Street, for investments, for banks, um, and that does trickle down to uh, to Main Street decisions at the end of the day. So that that to me is trending well. Um, so let's say CPI seventy percent of the way there. Um, then you look at jobs. Jobs was uh, the real problem for the Fed in terms of uh, how hawkish they have to be. Um, it seems to have normalized uh, to a large degree. I would say 60% of the way there. Um, and then um, the one that, that's just uh, not turning around, uh, there's just no buying and selling. The, the, the entire industry is frozen, is real estate, and that impacts uh, banks as well. So to me, uh, those two are the main concerns as we enter September, where there's uh, so much debt that's about to be recycled and, and we just need to see how that plays out. Uh, to me, that's the number one concern. Secondly, is uh, China entering a recession? Um, and that, that's going to be um, a big one as we go into 2024. So those two, between those two, those are the, the two economic things I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention to. In terms of uh, monetary uh, things, CBDCs are actually uh, very interesting right now in terms of quote-unquote interesting because... Uh, there's been a lot of advancements made by the central banks uh, in the last month or two, which um, were unprecedented in, in their scope. Like uh, they're really advancing CBDC. So that's a concern because I, I, I would hate for them to continue uh, rapidly on this, especially in an election year where um, this takes uh, way more thought that needs to be uh, put into it. So that's uh, on the monetary front. And of course, geopolitically, um, it, it, Sweden just joined NATO, so it doesn't get any bigger than that. Um, and that, that, that to me is critical um, as to how uh, the war would, would continue from here. Sounds good. Now, so let's jump right back into, I guess, the CPI figures. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. And so uh, based upon its extreme highs of last year, closer to 9% now, closer to 3-ish. So will it continue to trend downward or are you foreseeing at the end of this year a spike up or will, will the numbers stay low or will they continue to trend back up? And will the Fed be able to actually get their 2% so-called mandate in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think that the 2% is, is 
going to take a while longer. Um, I don't foresee 2% until um, perhaps 2025, 2026 is more likely. Um, but it's hard to project. Anything that's over a year is, is, is not worth even um, looking into. Um, but certainly, I, I think that uh, inflation is higher than normal, even if the CPI uh, continues to, to trend down. Um, that's one thing. Secondly, I don't think that if the Fed cuts, that uh, they will continue to see these uh, um, trending down of, of CPI. So to me, I think that they raise one more time in July, on July 26th, that's six days from the, this recording, they raise by another 25 basis points. That will take the Fed's fund rate to between 525 and 550. And I think they keep it there for the rest of the year. Um, so that's on interest rates. I do think that in the background, there will be programs to help uh, banks with um, uh, with lending. Um, but on the flip side, you can see that uh, uh, there's strict regulations right now on, on mortgages uh, that are getting stricter. So it, it's becoming an even bigger problem to originate a mortgage in the United States. And the, the problem that the banks are facing, as you know, is that there's a mania in uh, money market accounts. Everybody's in money market accounts. It, it, it's a $10 trillion are in money market account. That's double the all-time high from before the uh, pandemic. It's just insane the amount of money that's in, that's uh, just earning uh, interest on, on a money market account. Uh, people are not in stocks. They're not in uh, real estate. They're in, they're in money market accounts. And, and that's insane uh, in terms of the amount. Because if you think about it, every dollar that goes out of the banking system and into the money market accounts hampers the ability of banks to lend. So counterintuitively, uh, the public is moving into money market accounts, and that's what's hurting the uh, the real estate market and the banking sector and, and uh, making this crisis uh, more prolonged. Uh, but you can't convince uh, anyone to, to buy stocks right now. The, most people... Um, think that, that, that the market is uh, artificially rising and that uh, there will be a huge uh, uh, correction or, or even a, you know, a, a plunge. Um, and so that, that's the result of this. That there's so much distrust in this rally. So when you look at what the Fed is projected to do, if you look at the CME uh, watch tool, the Fed watch tool, it, it currently projects that the first cut will be in March 2024. So who knows, but certainly that's what the market is pricing in. And that's how um, Wall Street is investing. And that, that plays into your real estate as well. Um, because if you think about uh, the, the lending industry, uh, it cannot function properly before they are convinced that the Fed is, is uh, uh, stopping uh, the hikes. If, if they're convinced that the, the Fed is, is done, then they can start lending because if you lend and, and rates start to come down, that really uh, becomes a, a very profitable business. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts. You mentioned about, you know, you're, you're anticipating one more hike next week, give, give or take, and then a pause until the next projected Fed, I guess, official pivot when they start to cut rates. Now, between now and then, is there anything that could occur, in your opinion, that could lead to them needing to cut sooner? Possibly. Sure. Anything you think sure. on the horizon that could definitely cause them to pivot a lot faster than this pause, this pause, this suspected pause. Yeah. Um, in September, there's a lot of debt that's coming uh, due. And um, if, if the market is unable to refinance it 
at an attractive uh, an attractive uh, uh, bed levels and 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 uh, monthly payments. You're talking to office buildings, commercials, the uh, residential. There's so much coming due in in September. Then you will start seeing um, either distressed sales, bankruptcies, or otherwise. And remember that these people also are part of mainstream America. They're part of uh, of small businesses, and small businesses already are dealing with uh, business loans upwards of 20% interest. If you now need a bridge loan from a bank, uh, let's say to get through the next three, four, five months, you're buying equipment, you're you're renovating, whatever th those uh, um, that debt can go up to 20 to 25%, and that's because the banks just don't have uh, capital. Everything is in money market accounts. So I think that in September, if we get a lot of distress, which becomes a problem now for Washington and in an election year, I think that uh, they will start putting pressure on the Fed to, um, I'm not sure if they will cut, um, but I am sure that they will facilitate all sorts of uh, programs that provide liquidity. So I do see that coming. Um, and I think that um, they will take a firm stance on not cutting and that will be like the last thing they that they do uh, in my opinion so don't expect cuts in 2023 um, i would say that will create a lot of friction and a lot of uncertainty so they would rather stay the course and let uh, what they call the lag effect uh, or higher for longer play out in the economy that's what they really are interested in um, and i don't think that uh, uh, recycling debt will interfere with that. I think that uh, they will just provide liquidity in other forms. Um, but I'm not, I'm uh, I'm convinced that they won't cut in September. All right. Now you mentioned real estate, and so well beyond re I guess the residential side of things. Are, are you referring to you know interest rates causing slowdown in residential? But what about the commercial real estate? It's already a problem as of now. Like could that also factor in? to more of the housing and commercial real estate distress that we're seeing now, you think? For sure. Um, I'm invested in uh, commercial and in office and logistics and, and industrial uh, buildings through funds that, that I'm an investor in. And when I get the quarterly reports, it's basically the vibe uh, is this. Sellers do not want to sell because they, uh, they feel like they've gone through the jungle here and that they're just about on the other side of it where the you know what their clear turquoise water are so no reason to sell now you already been through all the uh the problems now you just wait it out a little bit more and the buyers they think that the jungle is uh is not just uh, around you know that the turquoise water are not just around the corner that there's a lot of more uh, uh machetes that need to be chopped uh, in the jungle. So they don't want to, they don't want to buy, they don't want to sell and prices are not coming down. So it's just a big freeze. That's what's happening in real estate. Um, and the only deals that you really do see are from real distressed, um, motivated sellers. So, uh, people that, that have other emotional problems that have to do with the property, not just anything that's strictly financial. Maybe it's a, it's a family-owned uh, uh, complex where you know the inheritors uh, are are fighting each other, and they're like, "Let's just sell this thing. We can't get along uh, as a family." Or maybe it's a um, it's a fund that's five years old, and 
it needs to liquidate as part of its mandate and it still has like two portfolios on its balance sheet so they need to sell them uh to the first uh taker they they, they can't wait anymore uh by their mandate but apart from those uh in the fringes type situations most people uh individuals that locked in you know mortgages in 2020 and 2021 where where rates were uh very favorable they don't want to sell and uh buyers that are saying that hey you know prices are not coming down and all of these these people are seeing 40 percent rises in their mortgages i'm sure that they can't afford it so i'll just wait it out um they're not buying so unless your kid is you know uh, starting school and you want him to be just in that school district you're waiting as well and it's a big freeze that freeze is not healthy for the economy housing is a huge part of the uh, gdp in america so and and obviously elsewhere but in america where uh, 75 percent of uh, millionaires have come from housing i can tell you you know housing is critical so i i do see a problem here um uh, from residential to office to commercial all you know each from his own perspective um and and what they need is sophisticated liquidity solutions some of these big ones, like multi-complex, three, four hundred door multifamily uh, residential complex that are for sale, those come with uh, rate insurance. So um, the owner would ensure that if his interest rate payments are going up, he can cap them. That's a very uh, standard in the industry. You can use insurance for that. Uh, but the, the the average person, he does not have mortgage insurance, and and therefore he moves with uh, whatever the Fed is, is doing. I think, like I said, that um, the Fed is going to raise in about five days from now. And um, and after that, it will probably just keep it there. And the market will start to price in that lower rates are coming because of low CPI. And uh, that would help alleviate some of these pressures coming in September and onwards. So um, I, I don't foresee any catastrophe i just I, I see more drama but not catastrophe all right sounds good now you hinted at earlier the cbdc and so on top of that or i guess underneath that or however you want to look at it you know the fed now was a, a re- a initially launched july 1st sure. and so looks like a lot of institutions are plugging into it and so i think that's the that, that's the foundation for what would probably be a future cbdc in the u.s uh, at some point in the near future but what are your thoughts on that um and will the cbdc ramp continue to pick up momentum and a lot of people say it'll fail it won't work but then again i think if things get or things become as bad as a lot of people projecting that they will people will be more than willing to roll into cbdc just because that'll be the best way of i guess trying to reassure their financial matters uh if they happen to have some bank losses or whatever so what are your thoughts on the cbdc will it pick up and you know when, when do you see it coming here in the u.s if at all okay so uh, a few things about CBDCs. Um, first off, I created a I created two reports that I think uh, are critical for this discussion. So, as part of listening to this interview, I really think that if you download uh, wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash CBDC and its companion report forward slash CBDC two, the number two, I think those are extremely comprehensive and anyone interested in understanding cbdc's from east from china to west united states has to know 
uh, and has to read them. They're each like five to six minutes reads and they are very comprehensive. They are basically congested after reading IMF papers, BIS papers, uh, uh, the People Banks of, of China papers and the Fed papers, ECB papers, Bank of England papers, everything that has to do with CBDCs congested into uh, all the updates. So those two, please read them. On top of those, I want to update you on everything that's happening in the last month. Um, and uh, FedNow is is a payment app, basically. Um, but it's a precursor for rolling out CBDCs. So in, in and of itself, it's not a CBDC or, or anything like that. Uh, ex, uh, in terms of its adoption, it's been adopted by a few thousand uh, uh, businesses, so nothing overwhelming. Um, but what we do see in the last month and a half is the formation of a framework for the future of CBDCs. There are two types of CBDCs that people need to understand. One is wholesale CBDCs and one is retail CBDCs. The wholesale CBDCs are CBDCs that are meant to be used by governments and central banks among themselves and between themselves and the commercial banks. So these are CBDCs that will never end up in your possession. Um, and that's important to understand. They are just a blockchain version with faster transaction settlement time, more trustworthiness, et cetera, et cetera, all the, all the features of blockchain um, and of uh, digital uh, transactions that can replace a legacy system like the SWIFT and can override the uh, sanctions that the U.S. government is, is applying on 40 countries around the world right now. Um, and that's coming. That's for sure the first step here. The, the, the wholesale CBDCs will be part of how central banks buy foreign uh, reserves of each other's currency, how they settle, how they buy oil from each other, weapons, uh, um, you know, uh, military equipment, commodities, agriculture commodities, uh, and the works. This is coming. This is in development. Um, it's not hard to implement, and it doesn't require, uh, you know, popular public opinion or anything uh, of that nature. So those are coming. Like I said, the 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 benefits or the drawbacks of these will probably not be felt much by the public. Where the public is scared, and cautious, and doubtful, and and suspicious is about retail CBDCs. These are CBDCs issued by your central bank. Um, given to your commercial bank and then on to you or the reverse given directly to you so you can deposit in your commercial bank. How would money end up from the government directly in your pocket, you ask? Well, first off, uh, retirees get their social security, Medicare, Medicaid. So that's a great way for the great quote unquote um, for the government, great way to put CBDCs into the hands of the people that won't say no um, to money, and then it's it's in the banking system. Now, just understand what I'm saying. A retail CBDC is now making your money a government liability, and the custodian is the Federal Reserve. So that's a huge change, and the reason that that is a huge change is because now you've you've kind of created a system where uh, the Federal Reserve is the custodian and not your commercial bank. 
that's becoming an intermediary. So Wells Fargo, you know, Bank of America, Chase, etc. Instead of them being the custodian, you are now working uh, with the government in terms of your finance uh, of your finances, and that introduces a whole slew of problems with privacy, um, with how much power they can have over um, your life. Um, and, and just to be clear, the CBDCs are not to be uh, rolled out and replace paper money. They are to accompany paper money. No central bank is even considering putting paper money out of circulation. Um, in fact, they, they see paper money as essential. Um, uh, so just to say that off the bat, but the fact that you will now have a bank account with the Federal Reserve is a very slippery slope. And that's what people are concerned with. They're, you know, in China, for example, um, where it's much more um, likely that the, the, the government will abuse this power, they can, uh, as you well know, they can implement all sorts of measures. For example, um, using their, their uh, gazillion cameras that, that are um, taking uh, scans of your face. If, if you do something like uh, pass on a red light, you can see like, Two yuans drawn from your bank account, and with a little, you know, uh, memo that says you just passed on a red light, and that's it. Like it's gone. There's no debate. And uh, of course, I, I don't uh, think that uh, something like that is coming to the United States. But just to give you an idea of how much this can become um, centralized and a problem. Uh, and the retail CBDCs in China are definitely coming soon. Um, it could be a year or two, but but they're coming. They already are piloting it on 128 million people. So that's a huge pilot. That's you know, if that pilot was in the United States, we we essentially everybody would uh, already transact in CBDCs. So um, that's happening there, in uh, because it's part of their culture. That they are just moving into a culture where. The citizenry is going to be much more uh, obedient to the government as the years move on. Europe, uh, Bank of England actually likes the idea of retail CBDCs, um, and and because it's not part of the euro, it it has advantages where you know they don't need to ask anybody else. Um, so they might be rolling out something uh, fairly quickly as well. So let's say two to three years. Um, the ECB, uh, that's more tricky because you have many different nations with many different agendas. And in the United States uh, right now, the, everything that I look at tells me that it depends on whoever is president. Uh, because uh, if the Democrats win, it will be faster. If the Republicans win, it may be that this gets aborted, um, the retail side gets aborted for, for whoever is uh, a Republican president. And then let's see what happens four years down the road. Um, but you know, if, if a Republican president tends to, tells the Fed, hey, put this on the back burner, um, I don't want to keep hearing uh, updates on this. Um, I need you to focus on CPI or this and that, whatever, uh, then that's what will happen. Yeah, you laid out a wealth of knowledge right there. And so when you mentioned uh, piloting, uh, the digital yuan being piloted in China, first thing that came to mind here is that what, what they're piloting here is UBI. So there's a lot of counties and cities and states that are piloting what it would look like to give people $500,000 a month. So that lets me know that that's a part of the plans in the future. But 
Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what's happening with the BRICS. And so it looks like next month they're going to be meeting and there's a lot of talk about a gold-backed currency. Is that valid? Is it propaganda? What are your thoughts on it? And if it is true, or just a mention of gold, how will that impact the metals markets in the near future if they happen to come out with something like that, in your opinion? Yeah. Um, look, first off, the BRICS are an association. Uh, they're, it, they're nothing formal. There's no agreements, contracts, pacts, or anything binding between these five nations. So they're just basically a think tank. Uh, you can think about it this way. There's nothing uh, that, that really connects them. There's no central governance or, or anything. It's not like a European Union at all. Um, so to think about them rolling out their own currency kind of I think it's it's I would I wouldn't want to call it propaganda but it's 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 far-fetched it's not happening so that's a kind of yeah. a short answer but you know it, it is no, true. I mean, that's, it's, that's it's, real it's, it's so. not, I mean they're not trying, they're not doing anything gold-backed or it, it, it's nothing um, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it um, I would say that what's more interesting is the paper that the Bank of International Settlement just put out about the future of money um, because they actually were talking about uh, a key for the future um, of monetary policy, and that's uh, tokenization. So with tokenization, you can actually create um, gold-backed uh, transactions, and you don't even need a central bank. And I'll give you an example. In the future... Uh, and this is the near future. This this could start rolling out very soon. If you have right now, if you have physical gold or physical silver, it's not like you can waltz to a bank and say, "Hey, here's 50 eagles. I want to get a loan. Collateralize this uh, these coins and and give me a loan um, to use it." And by the way, um, I'm also you know I have a business and I want to get paid in um, in ounces. I don't want to get paid in, in, in US dollars. And those options are obviously non-existent today. Uh, there, are, there are companies that would lend money uh, to you if you store uh, physical with them. So it, it, there is a little shadow economy for that, but nothing incredible. Also, there's not a lot of tokenization. Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, for example, if somebody owns um, a piece of art, or if somebody owns anything of value that he doesn't want to sell, but he wants to collateralize, he can tell a bank, "Hey, how about you tokenize? You create, a, you get tokens from my six TVs, my uh, my furniture, everything. If you appraise it, it's like fifty thousand dollars. So why don't you tokenize that and and then give me a loan uh, against it? Today, a bank won't do that." But in a tokenized world where uh, that value can float and act as an asset, that will happen uh, and could happen. So the future is tokenization, and there's so much that can be revolutionized with this. Um, and you know, when I look at the big picture for this, I think about uh, African countries, that, you know, the 54 African countries that are the fastest growing in demographics in the world. Um, and they all have phones, but they don't have any banking culture. And so tokenization for them can be incredible. 
And by adding Africa to our global economy, we can probably add like $10 trillion to annual GDP. Everyone would benefit. Uh, so my point is to say that I think uh, you should focus on the fact that you can probably start transacting in uh, gold-backed tokens um, that are very reliable um, through the banking system, and that will happen in the near future because to tokenization is uh, the top priority for central banks. They, they really see the benefits of, of this in, in international trade. Now, what are some of the cons to that tokenization that will be controlled, I guess, you know, instituted and held by the or through, through the through the regulators, through the through the uh, central banks of the world, as well as other major institutions? What are some of the, some of the drawbacks to that, you think? Um, you know, the, the whole idea behind uh, Bitcoin and decentralized um, economies has been, hey, let's let's take currencies out of uh, government. And, right. and have a, so it looks like that's, it's not happening. Um, there's a lot of innovation in the DeFi uh, world. Um, so I think that what will end up happening is that governments and central banks will continue to be the, um, the monopoly over uh, most of the currency in circulation. Uh, I don't think that, that they have, any, you know, that they can stop Bitcoin or, or currencies like that, but they can make it uh, less advantageous to, to transact in, but they will take the innovation that the DeFi world presents because there's a lot of amazing things, smart contracts, et cetera, that, that are going to be part of our future, but they will incorporate it into their own system. So I think that the, the, the con, uh, quote unquote, is that the, this utopia of, uh, decentralized economies around the world is not happening. Um, and, but on the flip side, um, I think that the monetary system is going to open up to many more avenues that were uh, not available for the average person before. Understandable. Now, as we draw towards the end, I guess, what do you keep an eye on as far as opportunities and possibilities out there for people to actually take advantage of these things that are, are underway right now? What do you keep an eye on? Yeah. Um, look, with Wealth Research Group, uh, with our free newsletter, I published uh, my personal portfolio in October of 2022. And I republished it in January of 2023. Since uh, October 2022, that portfolio is up 77%. That's why I tell you that money market accounts are, are a, a mania. Uh, because, you know, while the markets were doing between 45 and 75%, uh, since October, money markets have been giving you uh, just over 6%. And so uh, the first thing that I'm watching is that uh, my portfolio, that which you can still access at, at wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash portfolio. Most of these companies are not favorable right now to, to, you know, to, to create new positions in. So the first thing I'm watching are all of these earning calls. Um, I've, I've done three already. I have 55 more to go because we've just started earnings season. And I'm, I'm watching which, which companies are, are going to be attractive because the market has run up a lot. Not everything has run up, but uh, a lot has. And so I'm looking at a few ones that, that I think are extremely attractive. Um, but out of a portfolio of 60, if you have like five or six left, uh, that's, that tells you something. So I'm, I'm 
definitely doing that. And, and if you're a subscriber to our newsletter, you're going to get updates on those. Um, so that's with regards to stocks and with regards to uh, opportunities in terms of um, commodities. If the Fed does raise rates uh, in July, uh, like I said, in, in, in a few days from now, and it also kind of gives the hints that it was the last rate hike, um, I think that you will see gold trading over 2000 very shortly. Um, and that's uh, interesting. And I think that it's a rally. So because, uh, you know, the, the next thing that the Fed will do is going to be a cut if they just uh, uh, ended uh, rate hikes. I think that gold has a real chance of, of going to an all-time high by March of 2024. So I'm, I'm definitely watching that. Mm, interesting, interesting. So that means uh, silver over, also. Over, yeah, over 35 by, by March could be easily done. Interesting. That's uh, definitely going to be some interesting uh, unfoldings as we move forward. But uh, Lee Gantz, as always, it's good to have you on the show to give your thoughts and analysis on things as well as forecasting what's to come. And so I appreciate you for joining us. And as always, wealthresearchgroup.com. People can find out more and sign up for those new letter, newsletters as well as get some of those reports there. And so other than that, uh, Lee, I look forward to having you on the next couple of months and see what you're thinking about then. And we'll, we'll find out about these additional hikes or not and things of that nature. But uh, definitely going to be some interesting times ahead. And once again, thank you for joining us on RTD Interviews. Thank you for having me.